0: Studying the Word of God together, and we are in First Corinthians. We have been on it for a while, and now we are at First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to twenty. Uh, last week we had a few people here, but what we studied last week was Paul pointing out the seriousness of sin. So Paul is diving into where he's talking about problems in the church and pointing out sins. And later on, he's going to talk about the questions that people in the church ask about different things. And um, what we know so far is we understand these people in Corinthians to be very immature. They claim themselves to be Christians, but they have a mixed thinking, and they're arrogant. Uh, They are more in line with worldly beliefs and logic and philosophy than what they have been taught by Paul. The cross isn't the central in their lives in their faith. So Paul had pounded on the theme, really the foundation of what they need to know, which was the cross for the first four chapters. Now he's diving into problems within the church. And first of it is uh, sins of sexual nature. But sin in general. So what he talked about last week, what we learned is sin needs to be called out and dealt with in the community, especially the one that divides the church. And there will be other than sexual sins, And so some of you who wasn't here missed out on, you know, Paul telling, kicking people out of the church, which was really fun to talk about. Um, But the whole point of last week was the greatest partner of sin, they make sin the worse than it is, is arrogance. That's what these people were. They were sinning, but they were also prideful of their sin. And the word word pride is the same word that's used for what we celebrate in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, Pride Parade. It's the pride, arrogance of sin. It makes the sin worse. It's the greatest, worst partner of sin. So what he says, if churches don't deal with sin, then they'll end up divided and corrupted. So this is a hard issue to deal with, hard issue for us to talk about. Nonetheless, it is an important lesson for us to revisit over and over and re-examine ourselves. Because this is it's crucial for us. And if we don't reveal sin and talk about sin in the community, that basically means when you go to church and no one's talking about sin. It means everyone's sinning. Because <laughs> they're all guilty. They're all doing it. They don't want anybody pointing it out so that they will be judged. Uh, and the judgment is not for condemnation, condemnation, but judgment is to lead people to salvation. That was Paul's point in kicking people out and pointing out their sin. His purpose, his point was so that this person can be led to salvation and the church will be in harmony, in united. So, the current topic of focus is sex. Linda, you came on right Sunday. <laughs> We're going to talk about sex. Um, I closed the door on Hannah's door, by the way. <laughs> Hannah's room. Uh, later on, the topic is going to be greed. Uh, which is really relevant, you know, the two problems in our society. What is it? Sex and greed. And Paul, the two failures, to the most you know ongoing problem in Corinthian church is sex and greed. And he's going to talk about both. Currently, today will be more on sex, and not just pointing out that oh don't do that, don't do that, but he's going to go into deeper issue that runs with sex. So what we're going to read today it can be helpful in understand what sex is and how do we how are we to receive it. Um, but I'm hoping that it's also confirming and also convicting for all of us. So let's go ahead and read and I pray and we'll dive in the text. So this is First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to twenty. Verse nine: Do not do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, (laughs) adulterers, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites. and And this is what some of you used to be. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God.
1: All things are lawful for me, but all All things are lawful for me, but I will not and be by
0: anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God would destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of prostitute? Never. Do you not I know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shut shall not fornicate you. Every sin that a person commits outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not of your own, <laughs> not your own? We word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is a hard topic. It is a topic that we struggle, but it is an important topic. Because you take it seriously and you teach us. I pray that our hearts will be humble as we listen and read the word of, read your word and our hearts will be convicted. But over all, that we feel your grace and we see that it is for your love, it is because of your love and grace that we want to be. We want to be obedient to you. We pray that you give us understanding and your spirit to uh, shine in our hearts to see who we are in our thoughts and mind. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. So, before we jump on this, uh, let me want, make one thing very clear, and that is sex is a good thing. <laughs> I want to put a positive perspective on, on sex first, because sex is great, right? It's great. Who had sex this past week? <laughs> Wait, this makes it bad, right? <laughs> like, I raised the hand and she didn't, that means... <laughs> and you didn't either, so... It's, it's bad. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, It's awkward for everyone. This isn't a a trick question. Uh. (laughs) Um, You know, it's good. It's good stuff. So, you know, it's tend to be when Christians talk about sex, it's in a negative perspective. Like, sex, ooh, it's nasty, it's dirty. But that's not true. The sex is good, it's a good stuff. I love sex. Right, I love sex. It's a good stuff, right? She loves it too. And you know, sex is good. And Paul seems to get it because we can kind of read you know, in between his lines, he knows a question whether he's single because he knows it too well of what sex is, right? So you look at it. Verse 16, he says... Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, two shall become one flesh. What have you heard that? Genesis. Genesis, right? God's design and purpose for sex is for two bodies to become one. Right? It's the stuff that you hear about weddings, but it's become irrelevant because it's so done without outside of wedding. But sex, not marriage, sex brings two people into one body and it's just not it's not just whole body but the whole person becomes one flesh there's something mysterious about sex but it becomes makes two people one body like I had lots of sex (laughs) and if you had sex by the way I assume that everyone's having sex okay so don't act innocent Um, you know I assume everyone's having sex I know how it is in the world um, you shouldn't, but I assume everyone's having sex. So you know that when you have sex, when someone sex brings intimacy that is greater than you can understand. There's some kind of deep connection that you cannot deny. right? There's a deep connection when you have sex. even though you deny, it's there. So you add onto this equation like casual sex and guilt and shame, then there's a struggle. Because you're fighting off this truth that this is supposed, this is meant to bring two people together, but you're denying it. You're fighting off of it. Whether it's because you want to feel free or casually taking it, whether because of guilt or shame. Um, maybe that's why, why more people have sex. The more sex you have, more lonelier you get. I knew a bunch of guys in high school. I was in fraternity and, and my friends... They go out and you know they get all these ladies and they brag about it, but they are sad. And I know that in fact, the more person have more sex with many different partners, the lonelier they are, because they're, they're giving themselves away. Uh, there's something to it, and I think most of you could acknowledge that there's something more than just you know bodily uh, activity. Um, Verse 18, Paul even says every sin has a person. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Right? Continuing, there's something special about sex. It involves your body, but not just your body. Your very being, your soul, not just peripherals of your body. Right? It's not just your body. Otherwise, you know, rape and sexual abuse will be no big deal. I mean, and nothing's done to you. It's just your body. Just get over it. But you tell anybody who was sexually abused or raped they cannot get it out of my mind. It's difficult right They're damaged psychologically emotionally because sex is more than just body. right There's something that runs really deep. Um, and, but sex is amazing you know, mysteriously amazing. So to trivialize sex is to trivialize God-given gift right? Uh, there's no such thing as sexual, sec, you know, casual sex or anything goes type of thing, um, because sex is more than just physical thing. You see the damages that sex, the immorality, the casual sex has done to the world, to your life. When you think of parents, you think of people, abortions, divorce, broken lives, you know, rapes, um, human traffic. I mean, see what sex has done to the world. The not sex. Immorality. Right? Because <laughs> sex is good. <laughs> See what it has. So it's a fact is far more than anything. So I wanna take what Paul is saying here in a positive perspective first. He's saying it the another flip side of what Paul is saying, he's saying don't do this because it's this bad, the fact can be this bad. The flip side of that he's saying it's that Good. It's that precious. It's a great gift that God has given us. When we use it properly, which is sex between man and woman. One man. You get one man if you're a woman. You get one woman if you're man, right? After marriage is great. And Paul's going to talk more about that next week. Is about marriage. He's going to say, there's a bad sex. We talked about this last week too. And there's a good sex. Good sex is sex between married couples. Married men and women. I have, need to clarify that too, right? So, it's supposed to be amazing by its design. It's more deeper and intimate than we can ever know, right? God wants us to have lots of sex. But, after marriage with men, between men and women. Okay, so having said that, let's jump into other stuff. The The warnings that Paul is giving. And you look at it. He's, he's listing 10 different types of sins in two sets. So, first five are sexual sins. The uh, the rest of the, the other five is about thievery, about stealing. So, what we got here is first five, list of first five. One, we'll go off. This is the uh, um, end of verse nine. Fornicators. Fornicators, in other words, this is a pornois, a Greek word pornos. we're talking about. It's sort of the you know, can, uh, can for every type of other sexual immorality he's referring to. But what he's specifically saying is sex outside the marriage, heterosexual sex, sex outside of marriage, which I'm guilty of, and some of you are guilty of, right? Well, you know, most of us are guilty. Um, the number, the second one is what? idolaters is also referring to sexual sin because it's not talking about worshipping idols, but it's talking about what some of you have learned in churches. This judges. Paul is referring to the sex for religions, that when people come to temples and have orgy to please gods, that's what Paul is talking, talking about, which Corinthians are guilty of. Uh, adulterers sex besides your own husband and wife. Um, four and five, male prostitutes. Sodomites. So Paul is clearly, by Greek words here, referring to homosexuals. Um, but why does he say two different things? Male prostitute and sodomites. He's talking about one that is receiving end and giving end of it. So the uh, I think the one good example is he's talking about pitcher and a catcher, right? So you go to you go to um, this is one thing I don't understand. You know, I, I think about, well, man, if I go to prison, you know, the prison sex, right? In the shower. And I don't understand. You you go watch these really macho guys having homosexual sex in the prison, right? And you told them, man, you're gay because you're having sex. And they would say, no, I'm not. I'm not in the receiving end, you know? But what Paul is saying, whether you're cat pitcher or catcher, it's both homosexual activity. Maybe in what it looks like was there was a talk about justifying themselves by Corinthians. So he's making clarifying that either way, both sides, um, it's homosexual activity. And he's clarifying that homosexual activity is sin, uh, just as heterosexual activity outside marriage is sin. He's not picking on gays. He's picking on everybody else because you see heterosexual sex, homosexual sex there's a thieves and greed and um, robbers and everybody so he's picking on everybody so he's not elevating homosexual sex over heterosexual sexual sins it's the same but the fact he is saying the sexual sin it's a fact is far more than other things so he'll talk more about that uh, here are the other five most of us can relate with this better uh, Paul's Uh, focus here is thievery. Which really, essentially, his focus is greed. So, six. uh, The list starts with thieves and ends with robbers. The first one is thieves. Anybody have ever stolen anything? Piracy. When I was little, I actually used to go into stores and steal candies and stuff. Um, Because my friends did it. This is like when I was in kindergarten, six or seven. And I realized, man, the the excitement is not worth getting candy over, because you know you worry about getting caught and Dang. getting caught by your parents. Like oh, this isn't worth oh, it. So you um, never got caught. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good. Bad I was. Oh. Yeah. I was right? so good I never got caught, but I regret that. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I, I think crazy. most of us can relate. We all store something, like even casual things like piracy. But when I was like in college. Back in when the CDs, compact discs, oh, yeah. just came out, there was a like thing that you get in the Mayo Columbia House. You get six free, and then you have to order like another. No, you get like twelve for free, and then you have just have to order like six CDs oh, at mama. ridiculous, ridiculous amount, ridiculous price. Um, I would like order, and uh, never pay for anything else, and I keep doing it with the different names. <laughs> so that was bad. So, I stole. You know, all all of us this, We can relate to this. We're guilty. The greed. We're all guilty of greed, right? I like to have more and more and more. Um, Rockefeller, who is one of the early the billionaire or millionaire um, in America, that, that he was asked by a a person that you know you already have so much. How much more is enough for you? How much is enough for you? And he said, just a little more, right? That's that's the greed, right? More and more. But I think greed. Flip side of greed is also cheap. When you're cheap, you're also greed, greedy, because you don't want to give it away, right? There are really, really cheap people, and what runs inside is greed. I want to keep it to myself without sharing. So we can all relate to that. Number eight, drunkards. I've been drunk uh, twice. Uh, some of us are drunkards. Um, we're all, some of us are guilty of that. Uh, nine, revilers. What are revilers? It's that people who talk nasty of you, who hurt you with your words. I'm guilty of that. I used to be mean, a lot meaner than now, especially when I'm on the road, when you cut me off. Um, number ten, robbers. You know, none of us are professionals. Um, but again, going back to the first one. We're thieves. We have stolen. right? So verse 9, Paul says, Do you not know that wrongdoers, the people who do these things that he listed, but it's not limited to that, will not inherit the kingdom of God? People who do these things, wrongdoers, will not go to heaven. So what he's saying is heaven is restricted. Not everyone goes to heaven. He also said none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. I, I struggle when I'm at funeral um, it's really tough time for everybody um, and everyone likes to say you know we'll see this person in heaven um, you know uh, he's in the better place she's in the better place uh, and I hope that they are um, if they have accepted Jesus in their deathbed and whatnot. it's a tough time but the reality the truth is does everybody get to go to heaven no. no do you want everyone to go to heaven you do? Well, yeah, but you want everyone who are followers of Jesus to Graham. To I mean, imagine if everybody goes to heaven. You got an orgy going on in heaven. You got thieves, and you're getting jacked. Your car's getting jacked. You know, people are cursing at you in heaven, right? I mean, they're drunkards running around in heaven. Um, they're greedy bastards like Donald Trump, Trump, <laughs> in heaven. <laughs> Do you want everyone to go to heaven? We don't, right? I mean, it wouldn't be much different. You'd be like, I came to heaven, but it's not much different than San Francisco. Why am I here? Right? We don't want everyone to go to heaven. We want people who love God and love people to go to heaven so that it's a different place. It's a place of mercy and grace and love and harmony and justice. So, you know, many people who say that, oh, you know, everybody gets to go to heaven, you know, God loves everybody, God wants everyone in heaven. Yes, God wants everyone in heaven, and He paid a price so that everyone can be in heaven, but everyone who accepts what He has done, right? That takes, accept the price that God, Jesus, has paid for it. So, these aren't, you know, the technicality, we're not talking about technicality of sins, or, or, of least of not to do. Paul is saying He's, set, he's setting up for something else, because what he's setting up is, Corinthians are, um, they they got something else going on, right? It's not just, he's giving a list of not to do, and because you're doing this, you won't go to heaven. That's not what we believe in. We, won't believe, we don't believe that we got to do this thing, so that we go to heaven. It's more than that, right? So, that's not what he's saying. There's something else going on in their hearts, Because he says, verse 9, Do not be deceived. Which means they are being deceived. They're convinced of something else. Some other beliefs, they have a bad theology. Um, Especially when it has to do with sexual sins. Intimacy, right? Feelings run high, there's emotions, and it's really easy to be deceived, to believe something else. And, you know, even then and now, the key deception the, really the place that we get deceived a lot is sexual immorality. Because we especially in city like San Francisco, you get a lot of young people flow in and they flow out. They live by themselves. There's little consequences. The city in Corinth was the same. These were town of sailors and slaves who just became free. They're not with their you know, large families. There's a little consequences of what they would do sexually. Kind of same as our society. There's little consequences. You're by yourself. You live by yourself. You're just with a smaller family. Your family's away. No one's really looking at you. You have your privacy. You have your individualism. So Corinthians are giving excuses or they're convincing themselves and no, this is not what we're doing. is isn't really wrong. So here are the excuses they're giving. And Paul is, is listing them here. And what you'll find is that they're the same excuses that we give. Number one. Verse twelve says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. What they're saying is it's legal. No one's getting hurt. You know, there's no relationship, there's no love, it's just you know, casual thing. No one's getting hurt. And it's we're not breaking any laws. You hear that, right? We hear that today too. And what Paul is saying is just because it's legal, Just because it's okay by the government doesn't mean it's good, it's beneficial or helpful. And he'll repeat on that later on. Uh, Excuse number two. Verse 13 says, Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. Here's what they're saying. Saying, when I'm hungry, what do I do? I eat. When I have sexual urge, what do I have to do? I have to have sex. What they're saying is, You know, it's just a natural, normal, biological urge. We're made this way. Look at animals. This is what we do. When we have urge, we need to have sex. That's what they're saying. And Paul is saying, no. Because then we'll just be animals. We'll be uh, no, no more different than animals. Excuse number three. They keep saying, and God will destroy both one and the other. And Paul is saying that because there are another excuse is, it's just a body that'll rot away. And uh, those of you study First John, uh, been to Bible studies, what is the the belief, the false belief that's running high at this time? Anybody? Nobody's getting hurt. What'd you learn in First? John. The letters of John. What were the struggle people that John was really preaching at so that they understand? Jesus isn't God. No. Starts with G. Gnosticism. It's the Gnosticism that runs high in this society with the philosophers and everything. So Gnosticism believes that body is evil. Our body is evil. And it'll... It's, it's going to pass away. We won't have it. It's just the spirit that matters. So this is what trickled into beliefs of Corinthians. What they're saying is, oh, it's just a body that's going to rot away. It doesn't matter. This, this sin is just outside, just a body. And Paul is saying, you know, no. And he'll explain more on that. No. Excuse number four, last one. What they're saying is, it's my body. I can do whatever I want. And Paul would argue against that later on. Uh, it's the same excuse as we, we have. It's, we're saying, oh, it doesn't involve you, it's a private matter, it's, it's my freedom, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with my body. And I think it, it, then and also now, the sexual freedom, which really say that I can do whatever, whatever I want with my body, has become something that people so desperately defend, Right? When we look at it, it's people defending it desperately. It's my body. I can do whatever I want. Sexual orientation, it's my freedom. It's my choice. And Paul would say, no, it's not your body. And we'll get to that. But what we see here is that these are same old arguments, isn't it? Same old arguments we have now, same old arguments they had then. So Paul is saying, that you're doing all these things. You're in sinful acts. And this sexual sin is serious. You need to take them seriously. Stop giving excuses and stop doing it. And he also says, as you read, he says, run from it. He said, run from fornication. We started in um, Genesis. And he, Paul, is referring to the story of Joseph. What did Joseph do when he was tempted? He ran. He ran. Right? That's the best way to deal with it. Like you're in a, you went on a date and it gets a little steamy. What do you do? Run, run. run. <laughs> take off, right? Take off, right? Just, <laughs> no, no, just run off. You're at a, you know, party. You're with a friend and this really hot chick comes to you and you're tempted. What do you do? Take off, just run. You know, young people should always wear sneakers so you can really run fast. (laughs) At any point where you might be tempted, wear sneakers so you can run really fast. He says run from it. He later on, he also says, run to love. You see in chapter 14, he said, run toward love, the love of God. So it's not just running away, it's also running toward love. Something else, which is the love love of God. So, Paul is saying, especially sexual sins, you're messing with something that's more, much more sacred and holier than we can possibly understand or imagine. So, Paul says these remarkable things about our body. He says, and go ahead and look, um, verse 13 says, The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And some people say, really? My body is not meant for sexual pleasure? No. Paul says it's meant for the Lord. Because who created it? God did. Verse 14, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by His power. It's not something that goes away. It's amazing Paul says this. Our connection with Jesus isn't just spiritual. It's also physical. And somehow, there is a continuity of our this what we do with this body to what we had in our resurrected body. We don't understand, but it's not so disconnected. Uh, verse 15, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with Him. Not one body. You become one body with who we are together, our spouse. But with Jesus, we become one spirit. Verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? You here, your, you here is plural. Body is singular. So there's a double, double meaning here, which refers to individual bodies, and also corporate bodies, us together as a church. Paul says, Holy Spirit is within us, which we have received. It's not our body. It's not our body. Can you accept that? How will you take care if you receive it, that it's not your body? It's alone from God. Especially when it comes to sexual sin. Uh, when I was in Philippines not this previous one, but previous one, not the last one. We, I went to a church, and the pastor of this church was, you know, a doctor, uh, MD, and she, for one hour, talked about sugar. <laughs> she showed this research. I am so well informed about sugar, let me tell you. Because she went the whole hour talking about sugar. The artificial sugar, she went through every brand. Right? She went through every brand and ingredients in all this brand, and she says... You don't want to take any of these artificial sugars because they're bad for you. The only one that's good for you or is not harmful to you is... Splenda. Splenda. (laughs) So we all walked away. I mean, we sat for an hour in church listening about this research on sugar. And we walked away thoroughly convinced that we should only take Splenda when it comes to artificial sugar. But she threw in this verse at the end. She threw in this verse that you are, your body is temple of Holy Spirit, that it's not your own, take care of your body, which is completely out of context, but she made some connection to it. Paul here is focused on sexual sin, because the the effect of sexual sin is far greater than anything else. What she said about sugar and taking care of our body is not wrong. It's true if it's not our own body. You know, when it comes to other things like gluttony, suicides, cutting yourself, damaging yourself, hurting yourself, it's all bad, right? Because it's not your, our body. It's unknown from God. First 20, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. What's the price that were paid by God? Jesus on the cross. The cross. See, the theme of cross and resurrection are kind of complementing each other here and it's running again. The point is, if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the cross, then the point that Paul is making is that God made us, Jesus redeemed us, we answer to God, so our body is not ours. It's much holier and sacred than we know. It's God's. So stop sinning, is what Paul is saying. The point is that we need to know how to use our body the right way for the right purpose. Now, when it comes to sexual sins, unless you believe in Jesus, this all this is irrelevant. Because once, once we understand that who God is, that He made us, He redeemed us, then we understand how, what our body means to us. But I think the Paul's point of it all is in verse 11. So go ahead and look at verse 11. It says, And this is what some of you used to be. All the least of sins and more. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. In Greek, there are three buts in this. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of our God. All these brilliant things, and this is typical of it. He said, But you were washed in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. You were sanctified in the Spirit. You were justified by our God. By God. Some of you used to be all these things that we talked about, all the list of sins. Some of you are still doing these things, right? Um, I used to be these things, as I said, and I struggle with these things. Still, I stumble and I struggle. So, point is not, the point here is not that it's not about sins that Paul is talking about. It's not listing sins and saying, don't do this. If you do this, you won't go to heaven. That's not really his point. Uh, legalistic Christians want to make it a point where they list sins, and if you do this, then you're Condemned. That's not his point. Paul's point is that we are different now. The point is that we don't have to do these things anymore. That's what he's saying. He said, you used to be these things, but not anymore. You were, it's different now. When I was little, I, in Korea, <laughs> so I grew up in Korea, and um, there were old movies, and there were this old English movie. I don't know why but I vividly remember it's about these kids. Kids in London in back in nineteen hundred who grew up who's growing up as orphans and all they got is this grown up guy who is like the boss and these kids were steal stuff on the street and bring it to the boss and boss takes care of them and they're living this way. So the movie was about this one kid who is an orphan and he has this guy who beats him but takes care of him at the same time, gives him place to stay and food to eat. And what he needs to do is go out and steal and not get caught because once he gets caught, he'll go to prison, right? So that's his life. That's his value. Who he look up to is this criminal guy, right? And that's how he know the, the world works. You steal, you bring it to the guy, you have something, you grab something from him because you don't have it, and this is how the world works. And this is what I do. And it's justifiable because otherwise I would not survive. So the story goes and he's doing this. And he meets this gentleman who sees him and who wants to adopt him. So he adopts him and he goes to his house and he's loved, he's cared. But he carries on the habit. He'll steal. And the, the guy who adopted him, father will say, no, don't do this. I mean, you don't need to. I can give to you. But he steals and he goes back to his old criminal guy who takes care of him because this is all very confusing this is not what i used to believe in this is i can't take this value it's different now and the guy gentleman who goes to the boss he gets beat up and he goes through all this trouble to convince the kid that you don't have to do these things anymore you are loved you are my child now you don't have to do this it's different So that's what Paul is talking about. You used to do this thing. This was your value. This was your value. This is how you understood to to be respected, loved, taken care of. This is how you used to think of how the world works and how you can succeed, how you can get what you want and all of that. He's saying, that's not how it is now. What we get, what we need to accept is there is a new relationship And new identity set forth by the cross. That's what Paul is saying. He said, you don't have to do these things anymore because of the cross. This new identity and relationship is being offered and you have it, you know it. If you accept it, your lives will be different and you should be changed. That's the point. And all of that doesn't work out automatically. Our new identity and relationship doesn't work out automatically. So that's why Paul is writing this to them. He's saying well, you we need to work this out within the community, and that's what we have. That's what life light is about. That's what Christian community is about. It, so we are encouraging and helping and supporting each other and teaching one another how to live in this new relationship and new identity that's given. By the cross. So it's about the cross. Again. And the cross is while we were sinners doing all these things and thinking these are what we're supposed to do, this is how the world works, these are our values, and this is what we can only do, God came as Jesus and He took our sin. He got beat up, He died on the cross to take this away. He revealed to us, here's a new relationship. Here's your new identity. Now we have been adopted as children of God. That we no longer need to hold these things. We no longer need to do these things. Because there is a greater life and there is life to the full. And you know, it's my hope that, as you know, I don't... I bring grace first. I don't expect people to do the right things. I, I hope and I desire for people to know the love of Jesus first. None of this makes sense unless we know the cross. Once we know the cross and accept that there's a new relationship and identity, I don't need to tell you not to do these things. We automatically stop doing it because we realize we don't have to do these things. So I pray that we'll, refer, we, we'll reflect on the cross and that we'll accept the new relationship and new identity that's given by the cross. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we live like orphans, but you adopted us. You paid the price, and that price was the cross. And I pray that all of us will get this. That by grace of your Holy Spirit that we will accept it, that we will be convicted. That we know, understand that we are running toward your love and grace. And it's a good thing, it's a better thing, and it's a better place. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.